Are you in Acts chapter 1 yet? Verses 6 to 8. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I told you last week that I went to Kroger and getting some fuel for my car that a lady walked up to me and said, my tire is flat. Can you help me? And you remember the story last week how um, I had to, you know, I had to flex my muscles and, and help them and, you know, I mean, bam, bam, and, and get that all changed up. Well, I'm driving home, um, was it Thursday from, from here? Was it Friday? And I'm driving home, and I was still here, pow, on 23. And um, my tire blew out, and praise God, I was able to get over to the side. And remember I told you, I said, you know, you want to sow seeds of, of goodness so it comes back to you? Okay, that's a biblical principle. What you sow, you reap, right? And so here am I now with a blown-out tire, and Megan's over there and, uh, in, in the passenger seat, and we pull over, and we're like, oh, my goodness. So I get my jack out, you know, to, to jack up the car, and it can't fit underneath the, underneath the car because it's, the tire is so flat, it can't fit underneath there. And I'm like, okay, so I was going to call my daughter. It's in the other car. Come around. All of a sudden, we looked where we were located. And right across from where we're located is where Kelly and Mark, where they live. I mean, just literally, we can walk to their house. And I'm like, praise God. And he has just drove by on his motorcycle on his way home just to get home. So when you got a call, he's like, okay, I'll be out there in two seconds. And he came out and just, you know, did his thing and praise God. And I'm like, it is good to pastor good people. Amen, somebody? That here, pastor needed some help. He needed some salvation. And uh, he was able to make the call. And so I was like, God, you're amazing. You know, literally almost right to the seventh day. It was the sixth day. Um, you know, he comes and he rescues me and uh, helped us get our tire. And officer came and checked out the vehicle, you know, and everything like that. And so we were good. Uh, it was a good police officer. Amen, somebody. And it was a really, really great time. And, and um, you know, we need to pray for a police officer. When I saw her out there and what she's doing at night, coming out and have to walk up on certain things, we got to pray for them. You know what I mean? It's a judgment call every single time you go out. Um, you know, we got to pray uh, for this nation. Amen? And I believe the message that God's given me to share with you today is going to be able to solve that. I am convinced, call me crazy, but I'm convinced that the church has the answer to everything that's being asked by this world. Call me crazy, but I believe the church has the answer to every single question that's being asked um, because we know the one who is the answer. And so we want to take a look in this journey, as we conclude, and I want to leave some time for prayer uh, this morning, to really plug into what I call a prophetic alignment, a prophetic alignment. I made reference last week, and I'll say it again. If we are going to be successful, if I'm going to be successful as a husband, I've got to make sure I'm prophetically in line with God's word. That's what it means prophetically, is to align with what God has spoken I now personally embrace that word, and I live that word out, okay? And so I hear from God his word about my marriage. I line up with that, and then I walk that out. I hear what God is saying about being a parent, and I line up with that, and I walk that out. Um, a lady, my neighbor, she uh, texted me. She said, I was listening to your message uh, last week. Uh, she was watching on Facebook, and she said, thank you so much. She just got one thing out of it. When I said to her, I had to let Danny, Lizzie know there's a difference between my correcting her and I'm mad at her. 
And she says, oh, my goodness. I was washing dishes, and she goes, I cannot wait to talk to my daughter because oftentimes she has said that, Mom, are you mad at me when I'm correcting her? So here it is now that she got in line with a prophetic word that came forth from God, and it changed her household. And that's what a prophetic word can do for you. I don't care what the situation is. The situation is challenging. Yes, I'm not making light of it. But when you get a prophetic word from God, and you align with that word, you walk in a dimension of reality, a revelation that brings a victory to your life. And God is about you being victorious. God wants you to win. He really does. He wants you to win. And so you have to live on that prophetic alignment. And so that's leading me as well is to study the prophetic. Because many people have been hurt by the prophetic, but it doesn't exclude the fact that the prophetic is so important and vital to the life and the direction of the church. I mean, the two individuals that the people of America who have registered to vote, the two individuals they have agreed in the two major parties is Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Excuse me. Those are two individuals that the people of the United States have chosen through the republic that which we're part of, the constitution that has been developed by people that we believe were led by God to lead this nation. And so if we follow the process correctly, these are two individuals that have been risen up. And either one of them, both of them, must live in a prophetic environment. Because all they'll be doing then is just dealing with the symptoms and not dealing with the solution. And we'll continue the circle. So it's important then as the church that we become that prophetic voice that gets louder and louder and louder and louder. See, we're making noise. We must have a voice. There's a difference between just making noise and having a voice. Right? Because if you have a voice, write this down. If you have a prophetic voice, here's what happens. Write this down. V-O-I-C-E. Is that how you spell voice? Absolutely. So here's what happens when you have a prophetic voice and you're not just making noise. When you have a prophetic voice in your parenting, in your marriage, in policies, in wherever, at your place of employment, if you are a business owner and you want people to understand your leadership voice, you must recognize this. V first stands for vision. So when you now and the church raises our voice or a prophetic voice, we are releasing a vision. The Bible says, and I'm going to get to Acts 1, but the Bible says that because of a lack of vision, people cast off restraint. That word means prophetic revelation is what it means. So it's not the word vision necessarily means sight. It means revelation. So without a revelation of God, the people will cast off restraint. They'll have no boundaries, and they allow anything to come in and infiltrate their life. And so if you don't have a vision for your family, so Richard, you're raising your children, and what you do when you're speaking to McKenna or you're speaking to, to Kobe or you're speaking to Canaan, you're giving them a vision of where you see them. So you have to deal prophetically where they are now with that bad behavior, and you now got to cast a vision of how you see them down here 15 years from now. And so you've got to live under that prophetic voice so you can show them a vision of what the future looks like. Okay? Because the enemy also has a voice. He has a voice. And so we have to be able to recognize the difference. The O stands for opportunity. So when you cast a vision, you give an opportunity now for someone to see what you see. And in reality, you're showing them what God is seeing about them. And so every time you open up the word of God, you're telling people prophetically, this is the vision for your life. You now have an opportunity, kairos moment, 
a moment now to embrace this opportunity. So you need vision, and then from vision comes opportunity. From the opportunity now comes the integrity. The integrity. So V-O-I, integrity. And integrity means that it is God's word, absolutely. And what's happening now is the outside culture is attacking the integrity of God's word. Where now when you survey people and you ask them, is the Bible the word of God? They'll tell you, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And if the word of God is not God's word, then what truth can we stand on? Pilate asked a question that's still being asked today. What is truth? What is truth? Because we say that we shall know the truth and the application of that truth will set you free. So if I walk in integrity, it's telling me that I received an opportunity and because I had a vision. I had a vision. Okay? And so now with the vision that leads to the opportunity, which leads to integrity, now the C word is compassion. It's compassion. If you read the Bible and when you read about the miracles of Jesus, it always says this, or for the most time it says this, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. He didn't just go about doing something. He was moved, and the word compassion means from the very bowels, the very inside of him. Everything was stirring up inside of him. And why? Because he got a vision from his father, and he said, I only do what the father tells me. So Jesus then was always at the right place, in a place of compassion, because he always listened to what the father told him. He saw the opportunity. He moved with integrity, and now with compassion, he was able to go ahead and do his miracles and moved about with compassion. The church should be the most compassionate people on the planet. Because when we go ahead and if we're giving out food or, or we're helping with a social issue, it is not strictly just because we're religious. It's because we're moved with compassion because of our revelation and our relationship with Jesus Christ and why we do this. It's not just a religious thing that we're doing. There is a, there is a reason behind what we're doing. It's because we're bringing to you the truth that giving you this loaf of bread or giving you this food, we are manifesting the power and the presence of Almighty God right now in this moment when we do that. That's compassion. That's compassion. And when you have compassion, it'll change your attitude. Now, one of the hardest things for me to deal with, one of the hardest things for me to deal with is when my children start copping an attitude. Because when they start to do that, they're opening themselves up to allow the enemy to have them believe a lie and empower the liar and cause them to live away contrary to how God designed for them to live. And so if we don't address an attitude, we'll always see the manifestation of something going on that's not lined up with what God has for them. So I have to address it right away. And so I can't be afraid of confrontation. I want to bring clarity. I want to bring clarity. And so when you're bringing clarity to somebody, you're letting them know that, listen, you're not seeing right. I've got to give you the vision that God has for your life. So when you see it now, you can move in a way that opens you up to the dimensions of God, that God can bring all that he has for you in your life right now, and you can walk in victory. Does that make sense? So we want to be able to address that. So the church should be, excuse me, the church should be a place where our attitudes are lined up with God. The Bible says, let this mind, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's why. Because Magon is different from me. God designed her a certain way. He designed me a certain way. And if we allow the vision that God has for us, it'll cause us then to be who you are 
and for me to be who I am. And because we come together in unity, guess what happens? God gets the glory. Because only God can say, how in the world can two individuals be so different but yet come together as one? It's got to be God. So multiply that with the church now, and that we all have different makes of, make of different DNA, but yet we come together as one. Why? Because we know that our voice is louder together than if it's just one voice. So we yield to our own personal preferences for the greater good of hearing God's voice and getting prophetic revelation that aligns us in what we're doing. And as we do that, it gets louder, it gets louder, it gets louder. And then all of a sudden now, this voice comes from heaven. This voice comes from heaven that says, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And people start saying, you have the solutions to all that's, the solution to all that's going on? Yes, we do. Okay, you get a seat at the table now. And we now get to speak. You want me to give you a Bible on that? Let's look at Joseph. Joseph, who was from the tribe of Israel from Jacob's loin, was brought down into prison. Here he was favored by God, brought into prison. And when they had an issue, when Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody else could interpret the dream, they were just making noise. Someone finally says, oh my goodness, I remember my wrong. There was a man when I was in prison, and he got a prophetic revelation from my life. And I'm sure that he can help you out in this situation. Pharaoh says, go and get him. And Joseph came in and gave the revelation of what was going on and what was to happen. And because of that, Joseph got a seat, the second in command. The second in command. So what am I saying is this. Watch this. When we live in a prophetic alignment, when we live in prophetic alignment, God will position us in a place where our voice can be heard. Because we are no longer just making noise. We are collectively coming together with one voice. E and last thing and when it comes to a voice. You now have the energy. The energy. You're empowered by the Spirit of God. You're empowered by the Spirit of God. To accomplish everything that God has put in your life and God has given you to do. So now watch this. Okay. So now when you say and you speak your voice, those five, vision, opportunity, integrity, compassion, energy. Your voice, vision, opportunity, integrity, compassion, energy. Your voice, vision, opportunity, integrity, compassion, energy. You speak to your children, they hear your voice, you're hearing vision, opportunity, integrity, compassion, energy. Every time now, you hear a voice. And that's the voice you're going to listen to. Every time the voice speaks, you're going to listen to, where's the vision? Opportunity, integrity, compassion, energy. Okay, so now let's raise our voice and let's take a minute out and just give God praise and glory for his prophetic voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. I will be a voice. Lift up your voice. I hear God say you're a voice in the wilderness. You might be in the wilderness right now, but lift up your voice. Oh, God, hallelujah. That was for somebody right there. You are a voice. You might be in the wilderness right now. It may look like it's dry and there's no rain and there is no substance, but lift up your voice, saith God. Mm. Hallelujah. Speak to that situation. I hear God say prophetically, I'm going to put you in a valley of dry bones. And I'm like, can these bones live? And the prophet says, only you know. And God says, prophesy, speak, use your voice. 
Oh, my, 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 my. Come on, someone's got to lift up your voice. And you got to declare you an answer to someone's problem. You're an answer. You're a solution to someone's struggle. Open up your mouth. Don't be silent no more. And give God praise and glory. Father, we magnify you. We praise you. We glorify you. We honor you, Lord God. We lift up our voice. We magnify you. We magnify you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. Come on. We glorify you. We glorify you. Come on. We glorify you. We bless you. Use your voice. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm crying in the wilderness. Make straight the path. For the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Mm. Mm. Oh, God, fill this place with prophetic people. Fill this place with those who have a prophetic voice. Fill this place with people that will say, thus saith the Lord, and walk in integrity and walk in compassion and see a vision and see an opportunity and have the energy, Lord God. Raise the prophets in this city. Raise them up or let them use their voice. Mm. Can these bones live? Prophesy to those bones. Prophesy to those bones. Hallelujah. God, we claim Marion belongs to you, Lord. With our voice, we declare that this city belongs to you, Lord God. You are people in from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And you're not only bringing people in, you're releasing them to other cities as well, Father God. But I declare right now in the name of Jesus that your voice, your voice will be declared over this city. Mm. Come on, come on, come on. Spirit of intercession, spirit of intercession. Spirit of intercession, spirit of intercession. Intercede. I pray for families. I pray for families, Lord. I pray, I pray for families. I pray promotions and increase and favor. We pray for our mayor. Hallelujah, Lord God. We pray for this election, Lord God. We just declare in the name and we decree the church will have a voice. We'll have a prophetic voice. We'll have a prophetic voice. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Okay. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. So a, a strategic season consists of, number one, if you're taking notes, it consists of having a plan. You know you're in a strategic season, number one, when you have a plan, and it's called the plan of God. Now, when you know the plan of God, then you can do the plan of man. But you may have the plan of man and not necessarily have the plan of God. And so it's very important in a strategic season that we understand the plan of God. And the plan of God, in its simplicity, is the salvation of humanity. That's, in its simplicity, the plan of God. Now, we have to work that out in every dimension. And we use words as restoration, redemption, deliverance, healing, sanctification, justification, glorification. All those words are great words because they're obviously in the Bible. But it's in simplicity, the plan of God is salvation. He said it's not his will that any should perish, 
but all should come unto repentance. That word repentance means to change their mind of how they see themselves. That's what the word repentance means. It means you don't know who you are, and therefore you will become something else, and you're foreign to me. And God is saying now the plan of God is salvation. That's the plan of God. And number two, a strategic season that where it now becomes personal. It becomes personal. And so you realize now that this strategic season is affecting me and my household, me and all that I have to do. The third thing, and we're going to labor into this now, is the strategic season is prophetic. It is prophetic. August 16, 1988, that's when I gave my heart to the Lord. And God has been declaring prophetic things over my life ever since then. Ever since then. August 16, 1988 was when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I was the one that was lost, not him. He found me because I was the one that was lost. That word lost can also be the word rendered useless. So when someone's lost, they're considered rendered useless. And what the enemy keeps saying over and over again to a lot of people here is that you are useless, that no one wants you, God can't use you, look at what he did in the past, look at what you're doing right now. He says you are useless. And so all of a sudden now you walk around with low self-esteem. We walk around now beating ourselves up. We embrace things that we shouldn't embrace. We release things that we should keep. And we're all messed up. And what God is saying now is that you are no longer lost. That he's coming after you and that you have a purpose and that you are useful for the kingdom. Someone say, I'm a somebody. I'm a somebody. Yes, you are. And then number four, it's practical. It's got to be worked out. So there's got to be a practical thing. And that's what we're going to dive into on Thursday, is how to practically walk at a strategic season. Here's my heart in a nutshell. Here's my heart, Charlie. Here's my heart, Leo. Here's my heart, AJ. I do not want anybody under the sound of my voice to miss their moment. I don't want anybody to miss their moment. And so that's why I believe it's important that we have and we implement and we develop a strategic season. Now, God is gracious because I've missed my moments on a number of occasions. But thank God for his redemption. Thank God that he's able to redeem and bring me to the place where I can be in alignment with him and say, from this day forward, I'm going to walk in your purpose. I'm going to walk in the things you have for me, Lord. And it takes hard work. And we have to be practical. Okay? So prophetic alignment is this. Here's the three things that fill in your blanks right there. Here's the three things. A prophetic alignment, number one, gives you, you ready for this? Prophetic alignment gives you what I call witness protection. It gives you witness protection. When you walk in a prophetic alignment, you know where you came from and you know where you're going and nothing can stop you because you have witness protection. Because you have evidence of the goodness and the grace of God. And you're going to tell everybody that you encounter about the love and the prosperity that's found in Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 45, don't turn there, but in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 45, we see the call of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was called to lead the church, to be a voice to the church in a time where nobody was listening. Nobody was listening. But Jeremiah kept preaching. He kept preaching the word of God. And people were trying to attack him. People were trying to ruin his reputation. People were trying to silence him. But Jeremiah continued. Why? Because he understood, I have witness protection. He said, God called me from my mother's womb. 
that God fashioned me, that God knew me, that God ordained my life. And because of that truth, I'm going to triumph in every trial that I face. Right there. When you know the truth, you will triumph in every trial because you know that God is the one that's orchestrating your life. Someone say witness protection. Okay, so in Acts chapter 1 now, verse 6 to 8, it says here, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Who were they? These were the 12 disciples. Jesus now for three and a half years labored with these disciples, radically changed their life, and then he shifts on them. He says, I'm not coming to establish a political kingdom. I'm coming to establish a kingdom of God. Not a political kingdom, but a kingdom from God. And so here they are now. He, he, he dies. He, he, he raises. Uh, he, he resurrects. He's dealing with them. He's talking to them. He's about to exit now. His assignment's over. They gather together, and they ask him one more question. And the question was this, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? At this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what they were referring to is Isaiah 49, verse 5 and 6. They're referring back to Isaiah 49, verse 5 and 6, where Isaiah said that God is going to restore Israel. He's going to restore everything back to Israel again. And in their mind, they thought it was an earthly kingdom, that the nation of Israel was going to get the promised land again. They were going to get the reassignment, and everything was going to be great, that they were going to get back to where they were originally. And he had to correct them and says, let me explain to you what this prophetic alignment is really all about. And he continues, says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times, and sometimes this kingdom says, or the season or the dates, the Father has set by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So the first thing then is when you live strategically and you live in a prophetic alignment with God's voice is now you recognize that I'm supposed to be a witness. I'm supposed to be a martyr. In other words, I want to die for what I believe because I know it's the truth from God's word. When you encounter someone who's willing to die for what they believe, you can't change them. You can't persuade them to leave. When you're convinced to die for what you believe, there is no way you can talk them out of it. When someone's willing to die for what they believe, they are absolutely locked in pit bull bitten and they're not going to change and that is what the church needs to have that we have a conviction we have a belief that God is good and that God is good to me not just God is good but that God is good to me and as a result of that I'm going to now say I have witness protection because I've experienced the goodness of God in my life and he's saying now take that to Jerusalem take that to Judea Take that to Samaria and take it to the ends of the earth. So in other words, if you, have a, if, if you understand witness protection, you understand that I have an assignment from God and he has empowered me to accomplish that. Now some churches and some people now are no longer even talking anymore about the Holy Spirit. And they wonder why there's no more power in their life to perform. We need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We have to be a people who will surrender to the Holy Spirit, even if it means we offend the opinions of men. That we must yield to the Holy Spirit. If we are to have a voice, if we are to live strategically, if you are to not miss your moment, we must surrender to the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. It says it will come upon you. Let me explain to you, and some of you might be familiar with this, but back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would move, it would just come upon them. 
That's all it did. It would just come upon them for a moment, and they would activate and live in that power for that moment. And that was it. And then the Holy Spirit would leave again. And whenever it was needed, the Holy Spirit would come back on them, and the Holy Spirit would empower them. And here is Jesus now saying there's a shift. Someone say shift. shift. It is not just going to come upon you. It's going to be in you. It's going to give you the energy so your voice will magnify to the ends of the earth. It is no longer just speaking to one nation now. It is speaking to the ends of the earth. And God has a plan for this nation called America. And we have to have a voice to the rest of the world. That's why every world leader is looking at America for the election. Check it out that we have a process that every other nation is looking to this nation to figure out who is going to be elected. That they're doing everything to find out because whoever is elected and whatever America does, it shifts the entire nation. And so we have a responsibility now to be prophetic and to be the ones who says, hold on a second here. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to move and we're going to operate based on what the Holy Spirit is saying. What the Holy Spirit is saying. How many arguments will be solved if we just said, you know what, let's go consider what the Holy Spirit has to say about this. Huh? Let's actually sit down and let's wait for the Holy Spirit who has empowered us to tell us where to go, what to do, how to do it. This year, I'm, I'm prophesying now, this year, don't you send your children to be educated, whether homeschool, whether Christian school, whether public school, without laying your Holy Ghost hands on them and saying, Holy Spirit, witness protection, boom, on my children. I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking literally. Take your Holy Ghost hands and put some oil on it if you have to. Go old school if you have to. Get some oil on your hands. And see, I'm just putting some Vaseline on you. I remember mommy said, put the Vaseline on me, man. The big tube. She would stick her hand to Vaseline tin and just, bam, when I had my afro. You know what I mean? She just, whoop. And to get the afro picked, they had the fist. You know what I mean? And, ow! Boom. You know, yeah, kid, I'm trying to comb your hair. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the game, man. Stay there. I'm like, it hurts. <laughs> With the Vaseline. So I'm saying, get some Holy Ghost anointing on your hand. And says, you, you need the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can't parent without the Holy Ghost. Don't even attempt it. There is no way you'll be successful without the Holy Spirit. And so he says, if you want witness protection, he says, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that in this moment, that this church, the gathering place, and all the churches in Mary, and all the churches in Delaware, and all the churches in the state of Ohio, and all the churches in every county, and all the churches that are, that are seeking you, will never neglect the Holy Spirit. We'll always welcome the Holy Spirit, because if we want to elevate our voice, we need to declare the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The book of Acts is a, is a book of action. From the very beginning till the end, and it doesn't end, it just continues on. It continues on, and you see the work of the Holy Spirit moving throughout everything. If we're going to have, build a worship team, it's got to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have to, a, a life that dominates, you have to have it by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that you need. Some of your workplaces is so toxic that the only reason why you can survive is because you walk in witness protection. You walk in the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And there's a reason for that. We're going to get to it. But never, ever, always, every morning, seek and says, Holy Spirit, what will you have me to do today? It's not about you just restoring the kingdom to Israel. It's about being a witness to the ends of the earth. I'm not going to limit my assignment. 
I'm going to, 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 I'm going to believe you for all things are possible with you, God. All things are possible with you. In Acts chapter 5, we see a demonstration of this protection. In Acts 5, we see that Peter, with boldness, was preaching the gospel. And the Sanhedrin council said, quiet, we got to try to silence your voice. And look what Peter says, hey, listen, we must obey God. We must obey God. Church, listen, they're going to try to silence us. They're going to try to put laws into place that tries to silence the church. But we're done making noise. We're not going to elevate our voice. We're going to speak to dry bones. We're going to say, prophesy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who brought Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones anyways? It was the Spirit of God that picked him up and that brought him to a strategic place and says, look around, look around. What do you see? He goes, I just see bones that are dry. Hopelessly dry. Not just dry, hopelessly dry. And you find yourself in a situation, my finance, it's not just dry, hopelessly dry. I mean, hopelessly dry. What am I going to do? God says, speak to it. Speak to your finance. I mean, there's times you got to do some, some unorthodox thing and take out your wallet and take out your pocketbook and say, I'm speaking to you. Yes, listen. Y'all think I'm crazy? Then you must think Jesus is crazy. He said to the fig tree, and he spoke to the fig tree. Good God Almighty. Oh, I, I, Father, I pray that every muscle that's been put on you right now, whether someone spoke a negative word over you or someone spoke something that you believe, I come against it right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that everyone over this side will raise your voice by the power of the Holy Spirit and you will speak to those dry things. You will speak to those places that are hopelessly dry and you will see life in the name of Jesus. Witness protection. Witness protection. And the second thing is this. When you recognize that you're led by the power of God and you have a voice, the goal, Leo, is this. That I just don't live in witness protection for today until I leave 1300 Vernon. Or I don't just live it when everything is going well for me. But I live in this I live in this revelation of witness protection because number two on your notes, it becomes a way of life. This is how I live. I'm not turning the faucet on, turn it off. I'm not turning the switch on, turn the switch off. This is how I live. This is how I live. And so Peter now tells us, Peter goes on and Peter says, here's how you're supposed to live. And he says in verse number nine, first Peter chapter one, verse nine to 21. I'm not going to read all of it. I want you to go and, and you can read it. But it says here, just verse 9. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointed when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that will follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have not been told, you but those who preached the gospel to you. Watch this now. Ready? Ready? Who had preached the gospel to you by, this is the NIV, do you see what it says there? By what? Oh, sent from? So he says, not only do you have a witness protection because the power of God's on you. He says, now when you go to preach the gospel, this very Holy Spirit didn't just stay in the upper room. The Holy Spirit went with them and they're preaching the gospel because the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, empowered them now. Just, I've got a voice and I've got to magnify it. 
And he says right here now that this is a way of life. This is how we live. This is how we live. We live by the Holy Spirit. And he now says this then. What does that look like? What does the way of life look like that is led by the Holy Spirit that brings the witness protection? Here's the first thing. A way of life is this. Um, I believe in God. End of story. I, I believe in God. The second thing is this. So the first thing is when it's a way of life is you believe in God. Number two, my faith and my hope are in God. So I, number one, I believe God, right? I believe God. So my faith then and my hope is in God who I believe. Because Ezekiel was brought to the valley of dry bones. He says, can these bones live? He says, these bones were hopelessly dry. So he now says, only you, God, knows. And so God now says, prophesy. Alignment, prophesy. And he says, I believe in God, and my faith and my hope is in God. So you know the answer, God. What should I do? He says, prophesy. Use my voice. Use your voice. Because it's my voice speaking through you. So now that use my words. Because the reason why they're dry is because religion has caused this. The reason why they're dry is because man has tried to do it on their own. But now use my voice and watch there'll be a resurrection. Okay, there'll be a resurrection. And so now if it's a way of life, now let's look at, at, at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans 12 verse 2. Romans 12 verse 2. Okay. Now, the King James says, I beseech you, brethren, this is verse number one, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Okay? So you present your body a living sacrifice. Let me get to Romans 12. I beseech you, by the, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How? Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So what is the will of God for my life? We know it's good. We know it's perfect. And we know it's pleasing. That's how you can test it. So prophetically now, we know when God declares his will for your life, uh, Leo, when he declares the will for your life, when he declares the will for you, first of all, it's good. So if it comes and it's not good, that's not God. Now, I'm not saying the circumstance you're going to find yourself in because the enemy is going to bring temptation. He's going to put you in places. He's going to do all kinds of things. That sickness is not good. Don't claim, no, no, no. I, it's not good. But God is good. So I'm not denying reality. I'm telling you, get your focus off the sickness to get your focus on the Savior. God is good. I know where I'm right now is not good, but God is good. And his will for my life is good. It's pleasing. Why? Because he told me he's going to protect me. How do you protect me? By giving me the Holy Ghost. He empowered me with the Holy Spirit. And so this has become a way of life for me. And so when you understand this, the way of life, listen to people who walk in the power of God put a tape recorder around their mouth, you're always going to hear them declaring God's word, declaring scripture, declaring things. No, this is not God's will. God's will is good. God's will is pleasing. He's a good God, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to praise, and I'm going to worship. People say, how in the world are you worshiping, seeing the situation that you're in? Well, if you took Ezekiel and put him in a valley of dry bones, and he asked the question, what should I do? He says, prophesy, then I'm prophesying then. I'm declaring it's good. I know it doesn't look good right now, but I know it's going to be good because all things work together. All things work together for good. To those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. This is a way of life. Someone say it's a way of life. I'm not getting out of this thing. This thing, this is the way of life. Man, I, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I'm going to stay in this thing. Yeah, there's been some bumps. There's been some, some rough roads. There's been some dark days. But thank God that he has been good. Amen. 
Amen. I'm in the third year, and I've said the third year of our marriage. And I was like, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I mean, there were times when it was, it was me and R. Kelly. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. You know what I mean? I'm like, I need some love songs, man, because <laughs> I can't live without you. Man. You know what I mean? I need some of that because it's, it's a dark time. But I just said, no, God, I'm going to speak to this thing. And God reminded me on August the 3rd when I was walking up to our house, which you lived in Scarborough. And I'm walking up to her house, you know, I'm from a single mom, I got brothers, and we don't got no rules, right? So I'm just walking up in her house, so yeah, I can come up in this crib, I'm walking up in this house, Holy Ghost stops me, he stops me, he says, you better go call her parents. I said, what? He goes, you better go call her parents and tell them who you are. She goes, aren't you coming? I said, I can't come in your house. The Holy Spirit will not let me come into your house. I said, I gotta go. So I go back home, and I call. I said, hey, 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 Pastor Richard, hey, hey, Sister Richard, this is Rowan. I go to the same church that you go to. And I just want to let you know that if I call and you hear me talking to your daughter. Now, that's Holy Ghost, because back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> they ain't no calling. They wait until daddy leaves the house. Come on, I ain't wait until daddy gets home. It's when daddy leaves the house, I'm calling. Hey, I'm coming up in there. That was my way of life before. <laughs> but now that I've witnessed protection, and God wants to protect my reputation. He says, you, that way of life is no longer the way you're supposed to live. Use your voice. Go and call her parents. Come on, somebody. I make the phone call. They say, all right, come on over. So I come up into the house, and I, I go over there, and I walk in the room, and they had a wooden chair right in front. I'm like, what in the world is this? And I, I walk in there, and they have, have, have a seat. I'm like, okay, Megan's over the window still, you know, over there. And, and, and they said, okay, so what are your intentions with my daughter? I'm from a single mother. Come on. I'm from the... And you asking me, what is my intentions with your daughter? And out of my mouth came these words. I love her, and I believe I'll love her even more as I get to know her. She looks at me, I look at her, and says, I don't know where that came from. She goes, the Holy Ghost, I don't know where that came from. And they gave me all their way of life. That's what God was doing. He was saying, if you want to live in witness protection, I'm going to show you how to protect her from the beginning. So therefore, in the third year when things got dark and there wasn't that protection, God reminded me by the Holy Spirit, remember how you protected her then? Protect her now. Thank you, God, for the answer. I didn't need R. Kelly anymore. I needed J.C. Come on, somebody. And so now I finally got some Jesus Christ inside of me, the Holy Ghost. I was able to walk this thing through as a way of life. And I remember the day when finally the Holy Ghost broke Megan. She was up on stage. And there were times where I was on my knees seeking God. God, this is a dark moment, but I trust in you. God, this is a dark moment, but I need a prophetic revelation from your word. God, this is a dark moment, but I know that you are the light. I know that you can do this thing. And finally, God did it. Come on, somebody. And God brought things back together again and even stronger than before because why all things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to God's purpose are you hearing what I'm saying that's my testimony but you also have a testimony and so when the enemy starts to lie to you remember God's goodness remember his goodness I remember that I worked my tail off I was like Jacob I worked hard for her hard hard I did I mean, I labored doing dishes because you couldn't leave till the dishes were done. Huh? 
went to Cedar, not Cedar Point, it was Canada's Wonderland up in Toronto. Got a phone call. Dad's like, she should have been home hours ago. What? You told us we could stay out to this time. Girlfriend, let's get off the roller coaster because I'm not going to go. Let's get off this thing. Come on, I got to get you home. What was God doing? He was protecting me. He was protecting me by going through that. Because this has to be a way of life, how you live. And God has protected so many of us. And when you receive and experience God's protection, look, it's a way of life. It's a way of life, how you're supposed to live. He says, live this way, live this way, live this way. Because if you want protection, stay in the covenant. Stay under the umbrella. Come on. When it's raining outside, stay under the umbrella. When there's a tornado, stay in the house. And not just a house built on uh, a straw, but stay in the house that's built on the rock. Stay in the house that's built on God's word. I know, Karen, it seems tough at times, but make it a way of life. Witness protection. My last point is this. Here's why. Here's why. And he says this. We must light the night. It's dark out there. It's discouraging out there. People are hopeless out there. They're afraid. They turn on the news and everything. new shootings taking place. Abroad and here. It is terrifying for so many people. It is a very difficult time. It is a very challenging time. But church, no longer will we be making noise. We now will raise our voice and say that we have come to light the night. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and form. Darkness. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what did God do? What did God do? Used his voice. Let there be light. Oh, let that sink in right there. And the voice became a way of life. He continued day two and day three. And every time he saw what he did, he said, that was good because it was his will. Because anything that comes out of God has to be good. And so he used this voice and spoke. And he says, let there be light in the midst of the darkness. Now, John the Baptist in chapter, John chapter 1. So that was how God, all Old Testament, he threw the light. And he said, Is, uh, of Israel, you are supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. That when people came through Israel, they would see the glory and the blessing of God. They would see the light. Now, watch this now. You are the light. God has called you now prophetically. Listen to me. Prophetically to a lineup because we must light the night. So in John chapter 1 now, here comes John the Baptist. The Bible says, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. He came in and he says, I'm not the light, but I came to represent the light. And so John now brings back to Genesis how God operated in the Old Testament in creation. He says, he spoke his word, let there be light. Now in the New Testament, here comes Jesus. He is the light and light means life. And he's the light that lights the world so we don't walk in darkness anymore. He's let there be light. And so we thought that was it. So now you see why the children, uh, uh, the, the apostles were saying, you can't leave. You're the light. What are you supposed to do? When you're here, we have hope. When you're here, we can see. When you're here, you give us revelation. You're leaving us now. Don't leave us. We need the light. We need the light. And watch this now. Watch this. Paul says, but you are the light. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. And when God sends you into that marketplace, he's saying, let there be light. And you show up prophetically. Oh, gosh. So are you ready for this? Now, this is going to just, this is going to be amazing as we, as, as, we, as we launch with this. He says this now. Now, brothers and sisters, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 8. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we don't need to write to you. 
For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. So that this day shall surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light. And children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep and let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong today, let us be sober. Putting on, right now, watch this now. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Watch this now. This is what God gave to me. He said, Rowan, when you understand witness protection and you understand a way of life and you understand that we light the night, here's what happens. He says, you now recognize you become a worshiper before you become a warrior. We're trying to war against the culture. And he said, no, I need for you to be a worshiper of Christ. And so because we're trying to war against the culture with no power, with no Holy Ghost infusion, we're losing the battle and the culture's coming in. But he said, if they would ever use their voice, if we'll ever use our voice, and become a worshiper first. Then we'll become a warrior. Back to my example. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This wasn't even in my notes. The moment he showed me Ezekiel, he says, Now, Rowan, I'm confirming what I told you in the office. When Ezekiel prophesied to these bones, he was worshiping. He was worshiping. And seeing the God at work. He's like, ooh, hallelujah. God was at work. Bones were coming together and things were happening. He's like, ooh, God, I worship you. I worship you. And at the end, it says, they rose up as a mighty army. Oof, God. Ezekiel first went in that situation as a worshiper and came out leading an army of warriors. So good, God Almighty. When you step into darkness, come on, somebody. When you step into darkness with worship, you walk away as a warrior and say, come on, let thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God is saying right now, you need to become a worshiper. And in these few more minutes now, you're not going to become a warrior because you got to use your voice and fight the good fight of faith. He says this first thing, watch this. Look, he says, he says, put on faith. Put on faith. Put it on. Put on faith that God can do what he says he's going to do. Put on faith. If we're going to go ahead and we're going to be prophetic, if we're going to go ahead and live strategically, put on faith. It's going to take faith to be able to speak to those things. For some of us, those things have been dead for years. Put on faith. Put on faith. The second thing he says is this. He says, put on, put on love as a breastplate. Now, 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 Paul is talking about the Roman soldier that, that would have a breastplate. And guess what it was for? It was for protection. So he says, put on faith. Witness protection. Put on the breastplate for protection. But the reference to the, uh, uh, to, to, to the breastplate, the reference to it, is back in the Old Testament where Aaron the priest was told to put on a breastplate. He says you got to be a worshiper before you can become a warrior. Oh God. A worshiper. 
He says, put on the breastplate of love. When we enter into the culture, when we go into the culture, we've got to come as a worshiper of God so they can know. We're not, we're not going to confuse you by any other God. We're coming in worshiping God. We're a worshiper of God. We believe in God. We're coming in that direction. And that's why the flags and, and waving and the artistic thing. Father, I prophesy in this house there will be a release of creativity, a flag being worship and dance and arts and everything like that and music and everything is about worship. It's about worship. Someone say worship. Your life is about worship. Come on. It's about worship. It's about worship. It's about using your voice, your gifts, your talents to worship, to sing. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I feel this thing. I do. God Almighty. That's the environment I want to be in, saith God. The hour cometh. And now is. And those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. It's that season. It's that time now. Excuse me. Oh, God Almighty. God, I pray every gift that's been locked up to be released now. And we'll be able to worship the Lord in this place. And finally, the hope of salvation. I'm done. The hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. He's not just talking about when you first got saved. He's saying the working out of that salvation is your hope. Is your hope. Is your hope. My last scripture. Every head bowed, every eyes closed is this. Every head bowed, every eyes closed is this. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And many scholars and theologians believe, speaking of Christ, because all things created through him and by his word. But in verse 14, or further down in chapter 1, we see that he have the greater light to govern the, the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And, and we see the influence of the stars. The stars. And so here and now, here and now, is when you're in a strategic season, listen to me, everyone in the sound of my voice. The Apostle Paul now is saying that you now, you now have been dressed for success. The Holy Spirit is on you. And I'm releasing you to your assignment. Just like how I took Ezekiel and put him in the valley of dry bones. I've taken you and I've given you birth to be in America for such a time as this. To be my voice for this nation. That you will no longer be employed just because it's a job. But you'll be employed because it's your worship. And he says this now. So that you may become blameless. Philippians 2 verse 15. And harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as lights. In the world. It's a new season. It's a new day. A fresh anointing is flowing your way. It's a season of power and prosperity. It's a new season. Come into me. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Roe, I want God. To use me to light the night. 
I want you to come to the front here. I want you to change your position just to come. And worship team, if we can get back up and, and let's just give a time of prophetic worship and